If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 32. So we continue to work through some of the, some of the Psalms we get on the first go-around. We'll also find it in your worship folder. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I prepare to read the Word of God? Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come upon us with your Holy Spirit, open our eyes, our eyes and hearts. These would be more than just words on a page, that we would understand them as your word and your word to us, that we might find forgiveness, forgiveness in Christ and his finished work, that we might find wholeness and peace in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm, Psalm 30, it is a mascal of David. And we'll talk about this, talk about this later. If you have your Bible, you might see a note that says it's probably a musical term. Probably. We'll see. Okay? It's a mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in him whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover, I did not cover me. I said, I will confess my trans, my trans, Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at any time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach, not reach him, for you are a hiding place for me. For me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must curb with a bit and bridle, for it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast, steadfast surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is God's word for us today, so please be seated. <clears throat> this is a psalm of David, and it is tied uh, with Psalm 51, as we'll see in just a moment, and tied around a specific sin or set of sins in David's life. Now, we know quite a bit about David's life from, from uh, especially the books of Samuel. Uh, we're first introduced to him as a young shepherd, young shepherd anointed as the next king of Israel to the surprise of all his older brothers. We know him as the slayer of Goliath, the one who took a sling and a stone and uh, destroyed the one uh, who the rest of the army was afraid to face. But put aside the armor of man and went forward in the armor of God with with practicing with those many years as a shepherd, and he slew Goliath with a single stone. He's the future king. He's the calmer of Saul's soul. Saul was uh, very uh, upset and, and knew a lot of anxiety. David would go in and play and sing for him and soothe his soul. The future king who has to hide in the desert for, I think it's seven, 17 years, one runs from Saul, Saul knowing he's going to be king, 
sometime in the Lord's perfect time, and he has several opportunities to kill Saul and hasten that, but he says, no, I will not raise, I will not raise my hand against anointed. He is the warrior king, not the builder of the temple, but the warrior king who, who slays the enemy. He is also the adulterer. He is the murderer. He is the terrible father. But he is the man who confesses his sin and finds forgiveness. He is the man after God's own heart. So it is the confession of sin and the finding forgiveness, which is the, the, before us this morning. What David experienced is he held on, held on to that sin, and that sin is the sin with Bathsheba and the ordering of the murder of her husband Uriah. He held on to that sin and kept silent, and he, and he hid from God, unwilling to confess the sins that the, that the Lord already knew. See, that's the real, the real issue here. The Lord already knew, he knew about those sins, was hiding from God, hiding from confessing those things. God is just, is just waiting. Is just waiting. Now, I was trying to figure out how to best illustrate the pain that David had suffered. And for some of you who have ever dislocated a finger, okay, you may, maybe play ball or football and go in and come and come up, and all of a sudden you look at your hand and your, your little finger's going this way, and it really hurts. Really hurts. And you know the only way to get that pain, that pain to stop is to have it relocated. But you know that's going to be going to hurt too. And you're like, oh, yeah, but the pain. But, but you know, you put it back and it's, ah. Oh, you know, the pain's not, to- pain's not totally gone, but it's better. Imagine, imagine David for 9, 10, 12 months, 12 months had pain in his heart of the sin that he, that he knew he was part of. But he wasn't going to let it go. He wasn't going to get relocated. He hated it. He was going to hang on to his heart. Hopefully, God wouldn't see him. Hopefully, God would not know what he has done. <clears throat> so it is with our sin. We know we've sinned. We know God knows that we have sinned. We remain in that pain of unforgiveness. That pain of unforgiven sins. We're afraid of the procedure of confession and repentance. We think, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, nobody will know. I'll just hold this in until it eats me away, eats away at my heart. Eats away, eats away joy. If all I did, if all I had to do, I had to do was confess and repent. And, and as we see David's life, sh- shouts of deliverance surrounded him. Sh- shouts of surrounded him when he confessed and repented. But if we think about confession and, and repentance, what will the Lord think of me when he knows what I've done, when I tell him? Well he, already, well, he already knows what you've done. But he wants you to know, you to know what you've done. That's part of confession. What will my friends think of me? I confess my sin to them. What will my spouse think of, think of me? What will do to my reputation? So we hold it in and we sit on this, this pain and we try to try to push it down. Unwilling to go through the process of repentance and the seeking of forgiveness. Because we think, we think it would be too painful. Maybe I don't believe believe in God's forgiveness even though in his word word he promises that what when we confess confess our sin remembers them no more or they are what as far as the east is from the west he remembers them no more more now there may be consequences to our sin that we'll have to face but there's a release a release from that pain guilt that we that we hold as we lay our sin before the Lord before the throne of grace and we find our Heavenly Father has just been, just been waiting for us. Just like the prodigal son. 
I've been standing here waiting for you. In fact, I came out, I came out to meet you as you came back. This is a hard lesson for David. It's one that's necessary for him to, to experience because of his sin. And, and that's, that's, that's what David is dealing with here, dealing with here in Psalm 2. After his sin, David, David repented and he found the, found the joy of forgiveness. And one, of the great, one of the great things about the Psalms, so many of the Psalms, it happened 2,800 years ago, is what's happening today in our hearts and in our lives. In our lives. And David and writers of the Psalms are just putting down in words the struggles that they have had with sin and unforgiveness. The struggles they have had, which they, seem, they, they look at the world and it seems to be unjust. And why, who, and why who being faithful, but why am I, am I? experiencing success am i being persecuted even though i'm though i'm being faithful what happens there there we see in our lives as well david was a sinner i'm a sinner well, well we got that in common i didn't commit, commit adultery or murder anybody but sin is sin is sin to be confessed and repented of repented of paul later states as we read as we read together for the blessedness of the man to whom god imputes imputes righteousness from works works apart from works so the righteousness of christ is given to me it's imputed to me that's the, that's the fancy word for saying given to me it's not of my own he gives his righteousness to me and i don't stand before the lord resting upon my works because they because they get me anywhere if we were judged by works alone the righteousness of god of god would us. nevertheless we know no by experience the blessedness of those whose transgressions are forgiven. Forgiven. So let's examine what happens in the psalm, psalm that gives confidence, that gives us, gives us joy when we confess our sin and repent. Now the psalm, as I said, as I said is called a maskel. As I said, the note seems to think it's a mingle term. Also, also other, other Mixon scholars have said it's also a teaching term. A teaching, teaching term. So if we look at this in that sense... As David teaching us, I think it's much more appropriate as we look at the psalm, the experience of one one offers an example to other believers. In Psalm 51, which which this psalm is tied to because because of actions, David says, I'm going to to teach transgressors the Lord's ways. That's what he's doing here in Psalm 32. If you want to know what, what... what is going on here? You can read you can read Samuel chapter eleven and twelve in twelve in Hitler. Your homework has those to read to read. And that's the Seth Sheba. And then for at least for at least nine months they apparently lived lived with what Charles called a quiet conscience. It was here. He knew it was here, but he wasn't going to say anything about it. He hid from God. He covered up his sin. He pushed down that guilt and that shame in his actions. Actions. God forced this to the to the to the surface as he sends Nathan to to David in 2 Samuel 12 with a little a little parable about the man who owned the little lamb and he kept it as his pet and the rich man next who had all these things but he, things but he took the lamb and offered it up for his guests. And Nathan said, David, what should happen to that man who took that little lamb? That little lamb? He said, he And Nathan went, you are, you are the man. And it was that moment. He, moment, he, he couldn't take it. He says, I've sinned against the Lord. Lord, I've sinned against the Lord. So he writes Psalm 51 first. 
And then as he has had time to reflect upon everything that, that went on, on Bathsheba, Uriah, Nathan's, Nathan's confrontation, confrontation, he did Psalm 32. So it's a little bit later than 51. So as we look at this, there's a little bit of symmetry here in the first two verses. And we're going to spend a lot of time here, here in the beginning. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. So three words for sin. But there are also three words for grace here. So transgression, sin, sin, sin. And transgression means crossing the, crossing the boundary. What the prodigal son did. He went, went beyond appropriate. He crossed the boundary, the boundary and it was inappropriate. What was noted right when he asked for his inheritance and left his father's house? The sin is the one that we're most familiar with. It's an archery term that means term that means miss the mark. Shoot an arrow, it doesn't hit the bullseye, and you have missed the mark. We fall short. We don't do as God, com- God commands us in relationship with him or, or our relationship with others. The third word, iniquity, this is the one that David really is, is dealing with here. It's a twisting of the, of the heart. A twisting of heart. David's saying what happened, what happened to not a fluke. It was not a momentary error in judgment. We're not talking, talking about some of the sin we go, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done. You know, it was just, we got caught up in the moment. The moment David said it was twisted. I pursued, pursued, I knew it was wrong, but yet, yet I pursued, I pursued the less. I failed to do what God commanded. He did. He wasn't where he, and if you read, you read Samuel, it's, and the armies went out to fight, but David stayed at home, okay? He was the warrior king. He shot with his armies, but he's wandering around the palace with nothing to do, and he stands on his balcony one night, and he sees Bathsheba. His eyes were fixed upon Bathsheba. He commands her to come to the, to come to the palace. We know what happens after that. He, he then has her husband killed. But David doesn't leave us wallowing in that sin. Sin. He, he wallowed in for quite a while. But, but yet, as blessed is the one whose, whose transgressions are given, whose sins are, are cut, and against whom the Lord does not count his iniquities. This is the forgiveness of the Lord. This is Lord. This is what happens. You repent when you repent when you confess your sin and seek the Lord's forgiveness. He refuses to count our against us. So there's not just the removal of the guilt that our sin is forgiven, but there's an erasing of the past, as if God no longer remembers that sin, as we said. Now we're going to sing in a moment, "Rock of Ages." One of those, you know, classic hymns, you know, rock, rock. You see, you feel like you're in the tent out in, out in the revival. But it's good theology. Be of sin, the double Save me from guilt and its power. See, there's a, there's a, there's a doubleness. It's because sin has power, power in our lives. It produces guilt, guilt. But it is the rest and, and the finding in finding in salvation that we're saved from both the guilt and the power of sin. It's not only that God forgives gives me, but he removes my guilt as well, removes that power of sin over my life. And so David in the first two verses reminds us how bad sin is, how comprehensive is our need for need for grace, and how God freely gives us that grace, that grace, and blots out that sin which we could never do. So David, so David was, he was, he was hiding a secret, 
for at least, at least nine, nine months. It provides this summary of what it was like to hide his sin in verse 3. For when I, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, wasted away. My bones dried up and, and felt, what he's saying here is I felt, felt the guilt and the sorrow deep within me, in my bones. The very, the very structure of his ached through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You'll see if you have your Bible, the word Selah there, that means, that means stop here. Think about what was just said. Think about this. When I did not seek forgiveness, when I did not confess my sin, when I did not and the joy of forgiveness, my bones wasted away, and I, I felt it all day long. Day, day night, the hand of the Lord was heavy upon me. Upon me. What was the hand of the Lord in this? It was the natural guilt. But David knew he had done wrong. He, he just bring himself to admit that he had done wrong. It was weight upon him. Nine months at least of this. And the now, remember, this is after he's reflecting back upon his experience. His experience. David, his spiritual and, men and mentals, when he kept his sin hidden from everybody else, the Lord already knew this. Spurgeon describes it this way. I kept silence. I kept silent. silent. Not merely was I silent, but I kept silence. Purposely, resolutely perseveringly, I kept despite all the remembrance of the passages I had received from the Lord, from the Lord, despite the accusations of my conscience, wish of my heart. As if David said, I, I just wasn't going to let go of this sin. I know it hurts. It's destroying me, but I am not going to admit, admit to the He purposely kept silent. We have, we have to ask ourselves, when have I, pur I purposely kept when have I tried to hide from the Lord as if he didn't see, didn't know? Even in, in here and in here, the depths of my mind, my thoughts. When have, my, when have I tried to hide my, hide my thoughts from the Lord? But he knows that. He's already on top of that. Now you've been silent before the one you needed to, needed to seek for, from or to forgive. forgive. Well, that, that's different. You, you need to do that. You need to do that. But first, you need to make sure... You have confessed to the Lord and not remain silent. The, the prodigal stunts came to his understanding when he was what? He deep in the pig slop. Okay? You want to talk about hitting bottom. Hitting bottom. Don't want to have to hit bottom before you realize I've got to confess this sin. You want to do it before that. And, and when he went... He knew it. He had sinned against the Lord and against his father. But where did he find his father? His father had come running, running. His father had been waiting there, there for his son. And when he saw him, he hiked his garment and revealed his ankles. It was a no-no. kind of in, but that was a no-no. Man of honor did not do that and ran towards him, toward him as his son. That's forgiveness. And David is certainly not in Scripture to hide from God. From God, we see the first woman. We're hiding from God. There they are in the. They are in the garden. And the cool of the day, the Lord is walking through, and they're hiding behind behind some bush or something. The Lord calls out, "Adam, where are Adam? Where are you?" Right? He's got one garden. He's got one man. He's got one woman. And he can't find them. The Lord knows 
He knew where he was. We were hiding because we were naked. How did you know you were naked? There's only one way they knew they were naked. But the Lord wants them, their message. As much as we like to hide, we also like to be known. Known. Social media is a great opportunity to, to let people know who you are. But unfortunately, we let people know certain parts of us, right? right? Those great vacations. You, you, you can see we are one, one time and time, and that girl, and she's out surf. And she's doing all those poses, you know. And, and the, somebody's t- taking pictures of her. And I'm like, this is going to be on Facebook, Facebook or uh, whatever else. else. Um, this is my best vacation ever. Okay, we only put our best stuff up there. You don't, you don't see me put up my bad barbecue. Okay, it's just the, this is the good stuff. Okay, we want to be known, but we don't want to be known because when if we who who really accept us if we let ourselves be known complete, completely and all. Okay, our spouse, our spouses, there's us. Okay, but what about what about everybody else? Would you be interested? In one, the person next to you, all, all their warts, all their faults, to really be known, and would you love them in the same way as a Christian way as a Christian sister? That's that's the goal. We we that's the type of that we have been given, given the type of love that we to extend, extend as well. But we often want somebody to bring us, bring us out of this hiding. Okay? So that we will we first start with our Heavenly Father. All right, back to go to verse 5. This, this, is, kind of, this is kind of the cha- the transition point. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover, cover my duty. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you, you gave the iniquity of my sin. Why didn't he start with this? Isn't that it? I think... I should have done. I should have done this. That's what David should have done. Should have done. He should have gone right forward and confessed this. This known the forgiveness. This comes again. Charles Spurgeon. He has a son. It's called the dangers of unconfessed sin. He writes: Never have great chastisements in store for those who are quick confessors. Confessors of sin to confess our sin. Sin. You know how it is with your child. There has been something broken, perhaps by carelessness. There has been some violation of a rule, but it comes and catches you by the sleeve and says, Father or mother, I'm very sorry that I have been, have been doing wrong. While you are sorry that he should transgress, you are glad to think that his heart is so right that without, that without being questioned of his own accord and cord and tell frankly that he was wrong. Whatever grief feel about his fault, fault you feel a joy in the frank frankness of confession, the tenderness of his, of his conscience. You have forgiven him, I'm sure, before that halfway through his open-hearted acknowledgement. You feel that though you cannot be angry with so frank and frank and penitent a child, though sometimes you may have to put a sour look on or shake your head or reprimand or scold a little, little, Yet if the eyes fill with tears and tears and the confession becomes still more open and the sorrow still more evident, it is not hard to move you to give the child a kiss and send him away with, go and sin no more, I have forgiven, given you. Our Heavenly Father is much more tender than us. And therefore, if we being evil, evil know how to give to our children, 
how, how much more shall the Heavenly Father forgive us, give us of our trespass? Real deep, gen, genuine confession of sin has been the feature of every genuine revival, revival throughout. Began back in, in Acts 19 and, and Ephesians. As the Lord is moving and as, peop, as people are coming to Christ. Remember, this is the place where, where Paul had a ride. He had a ride almost everywhere. Uh, but a particular one in Ephesians. And people are repenting and they are t- bringing their books of occultism and witchcraft and idols and they're burning them burning them luke writes and the value of those books those books was a thousand pieces of silver willing to confess their sin willing willing to repent get rid of that stuff and i think and i think here talked about the maskell part get to verse six this is the maskell part the teaching part Therefore, let everyone who is God is godly offer to you, that is to the Lord, the Lord, at a time when you found. When may the Lord be found? When can he be found? Right now. Okay? When is a good time to confess your sin? Right now is the good time to confess your sin. Well, I don't know if he's listening. Sunday morning, he's usually busy with everybody else. No, today is the time. Now's the time to confess your sin. Let everyone who is godly, who, who understands this, who has learned from, from my, offer a prayer to you at a time you may be found. Surely in the rush, rush of great waters you shall not reach, they shall not reach, reach him. You are a hiding place for me. David hid from the Lord for so long and now at, at repentance, confession, God is the, hide, is the hiding place for him. You, you preserve me from trouble. And what happens? You serpents, you surround me with of deliverance. Who is giving those shouts of deliverance? It's the Lord, it's the, Lord, it's the angelic. It's all the heavenly, heavenly host rejoicing in the confession of sin and the greatness of God's forgiveness. This is what he sees. The, the shouts of deliverance. He groaned when he kept it to himself. And, and now it's a deliverance. What do you want? Do you, mean, do you want your bones to ache? Do you want to be turned to, to sorrow all your days? Or do you want to be, do you want to be surrounded with deliverance? Lots of deliverance. Okay? I'm just tell, telling you, it's a lot better. David is telling us, it's a lot better. So maybe you're here today and you're having trouble actually, actually, actually believing. You could, maybe, maybe you something that you just held in your heart and your heart and you're not letting it go. Yeah, that's... 30 years, years ago, but I just can't, I can't let it, let it go. The Lord says to the throne of grace, bring it to me, confess your sin, repent of your sin, and find forgiveness and be surrounded by the shouts of deliverance. Why hesitate? And David makes a makes, declaration here in verse 9. Why hesitate? Why be like a horse or a mule without understanding? A horse needs a bit, needs to be trained. Um, it's the old joke, uh, I, I, I got a mule, can't be trained, and, and the mule trainer comes up, and the, comes up, and the first is he picks up a two-by-four and smashes the mule across the head. The mule goes like this, and the farmer says, why'd you do that? He says, he says well, you have to get his attention. Maybe the sorrow, maybe the groan, groaning of your bones is the Lord saying, do, do I have your attention yet? Are you, are, you, are you tired enough of this guilt and this anguish? That you're ready to confess your sin. Do it today. Scripture in the New Testament says today is the day of salvation. Today of forgiveness. You confess and repent your sin. Let's pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we come, come before you. We are sinful men and women. There's no doubt about that. For those of us who stand, of us who stand Christ, who's been changed by your grace, we know that grace, but there is still sin in our hearts. Times that we hide from you. Still times that even though we know, we, we know what your word, even though you are omniscient, you know everything, every hair on our head, every word before it comes from our mouths, every thought, thought in our we still think we can hide things from you. We, we still think we can hold on to those, those things that we have done and, and not reveal them to you. When you already know those things and you stand like the prodigal son looking for us, Look for us, come to you, you, so that the guilt and power of sin might be erased in our, li- our lives. Lord, I don't know what, know what we've done in this world, but we who sit in this, in this room, room have to come to you. I pray we would not leave here, leave here with anything that would burden, that would burden us, that is not laid before you, for you. That we would find the shouts of deliverance. That the burden of sin would be taken from us. That we would find the joy of the forgiveness in Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. In my hand no, hand, no prize ring, simply to thy cross I, cl- I cling. Let's all stand together as we sing hymn 460, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Rock of Ages, as for me. Let me hide, hide myself thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side flowed. Be of sin the double cure. Some wrath and make me not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. These for sin could not own. Thou say, thou alone, in hand no price ring, simple thy cross I cling. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown, and behold on thy throne, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in, in thee. He's already there. He knows what's in your heart. 
confess your sin, know the shouts of deliverance, that he might be your hiding place. Heavenly Father, out that walk in the path that Christ has set before us, not hiding from you, but you being our hiding place. We find, we find our, our shelter. You are our fortress, Lord. We find secure, security. We find all that our heart so desperately longs for. We find it in you, the one who has made us and made us and who knows us. Heavenly Father, make your face to shine, face to shine, so we may walk ways today and all and all of our lives. We pray. Amen. Go with us, Lord, and guide all way through this and every every coming day. That is.